school environment should be inclusive to allow everyone to feel safe, to feel, allow, and this is both staff, students, leaders, the lot, be able to feel safe where you can take risks and not fear the consequences. Obviously, within reason. Obviously, you can't go around doing certain things and go, yeah, that's fine. But um, for me, <laughs> having that ability to say, right, I want you to challenge yourself, put yourself out there, see what happens, and then go, oh, it didn't work. Okay, what can we do next to make sure you can succeed next time? And so as my role as a leader, I try to encourage that within the staff. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Cameron Ross is an experienced teacher with the past 11 years as a STEM coordinator and digital learning coach. His main focus is on educational technology and implementing digital learning in the classroom. In Cameron's role as a digital learning coach and STEM leader, he works with staff and students to provide opportunities to transform their learning experience with a range of different tools. He has a strong belief and mindset in lifelong learning with a master's degree in sports business and digital learning. Cameron's also a team leader with Aussie Ed, level two Google certified educator, as I tripped over my words there, Microsoft innovator educator, and can be connected with on Twitter at Cameron Ross three. I just want to take a quick second. You know, Cameron and I did not know each other before we um, agreed to talk on this podcast, but in looking at Cameron's background with digital technology and the importance of something like that, especially in this day and age. I reached out to him and asked him. And Cameron, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the podcast and welcome to See the Lead. Thanks, Chris. Uh, nice to be here and uh, excuse my Australian accent, but uh, look, really looking forward to speaking with you today. Now, you say excuse my Australian accent. I would say that some people might even be happier to hear that Australian accent rather than me on the podcast. So no apologies necessary for that. In terms of time, sorry, sorry to interrupt, no. Chris, but for me, I'm, I'm actually talking in the future for you because we're actually Friday morning, my time, and your Thursday afternoon and evening. There we go. And so this is, hey, all you podcast listeners, this is a glimpse into the future. So you're going to give us what we need to be doing tomorrow, not today, right? That's correct. <laughs> Perfect. So let's start right off the bat. I mean, I, I mentioned the digital technology piece, which is what really attracted me to um, reaching out to you. So tell us what you're passionate about in education. Uh, great question, Chris. But for me, what I'm more, most passionate about is being able to provide an opportunity, not only for my fellow leaders within my school context, but also my students. And, and that's what's the, the main passion for me is being able to provide that opportunity for students to develop their lifelong learning through the use of technology. And obviously with over the last two years, especially where I live in Melbourne, Australia, we've actually been, or 
have got the title of the world's longest lockdown city. We've had over 200 plus days of lockdown. So in terms of remote learning, we've had to, I guess, really quickly adapt to how things might work in the remote or virtual world. And in my role at my school, I'm, I'm the digital learning or ICT coach and being able to adapt and then stand up, be that leader, be that someone who has people to come to and say, how do I do, how do I use Zoom or how do I use Flipgrid or any other digital tech tool? Um, and that's what my passion is, being able to help and be able to encourage and in, empower others to do their best. And and I guess in the way, I'm, I'm actually reading a book around failure and, and being able to adapt and acknowledge that, you know what, you're going to fail in life, but how can you have that growth mindset to be able to go, okay, that didn't work, but what can I do next? And that's both from a leader point of view, but also my students as well. Well, that's so important on so many levels, the idea of embracing failure as a stepping stone and learning from it. But I'd like to stay with the idea of the pivot, as, as you called it, and I think we'll all agree with that the pandemic caused with digital tools. You mentioned a couple of things like Zoom, Flipgrid. As, as many of the listeners know, I would say all the listeners know, we had to pivot to a virtual world really quick. And now with your title of longest lockdown city, what did that look like for you in, in your position? Because people have to want to use the stuff. Now you're asking them to do something new in a time where they're at a high stress level anyways, because of fear and anxiety. So what did that look like for your position? Yep. Look, for me, initially, it was very much my leaders above me went, look, Cam, what can we do to best ensure that our, our learning, our classroom environment can continue as best as best we can. For me, it was reaching out to say, okay, well, what are some of the things that you want to continue within this virtual classroom? Is it um, that building of relationships? Is it being able to continue exactly the same? And one of the things I suggested to them was virtual learning isn't going to be exactly the same. We need to be able to, I guess, think outside the square. And you mentioned something about the anxiety, and that's something that I still believe a lot of staff still feel today, uh, around trying new things. Um, for us, for me in uh, in Australia, we're actually starting back school after our summer break today. So all these, we, we're still in the wave of Omicron and, and we're still experiencing some form of lockdown in a way where some staff will be on site, some are not on site. So in terms of the anxiety, I'm, what I need to do is be able to reach out to them and, and build that relationship, build that connection to say, what is it that you're anxious about? What is it that you're wanting to achieve within your classroom? And then me being able to think about some of the tools that might work for them because, as we know, some digi tech tools aren't beneficial for all staff. We, under, at my school, we have a range of different subjects and I'm sure other schools around the world are the same. And one of the things that I like to do is actually go into their classroom, go into their, their I guess, their natural environment and have a look at what it is that they're wanting to get out of that class and then be able to put in that that tech tool. And for me, just throwing a tech tool at them isn't going to be beneficial for anyone. It's being able to understand what it is that they're wanting to achieve and then be able to match an adaptable tech tool to integrate and then work with them to teach them, but not just say, here you go, learn it yourself. It's actually not hold hands, but be able to step by step through through the process. So what I'm hearing you say is the idea of virtual is not the same for everybody. So you have to make sure it's you individualize the experience that's needed by each person to increase buy-in. 
Is that fair to say? Definitely. And so, so one of the things with buy-in, though, it, I think it is a very much an individual process because I've experienced sometimes where it's just, Cam, we need you to tell staff about this. It's like, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not 100% um, happy with that, but if I'm allowed to adapt and be able to work through that rather than just throw it at them, just bit by bit, and then at the end say, right, we've learned all of the tools that the school needs us to learn, does anyone have any questions? Then you can have that one-on-one um, feedback and, and go from there. So I'm, I'm also hearing, which is another really important part, I think. So you're, the, you're almost the go-between where you have your leadership and then you have, so leadership decides or has an idea of the path they want to take and the tool that they, they want to use. That, that then goes to you and then you deliver that to the staff and make sure that the staff's on board and picking that up. Okay, good. What I'm hearing is, if, if I were to offer advice to leaders, right, leaders need to make sure they're listening to the people that are on the ground because it's always nice to really, you know, throw something out there and, hey, good, that problem's fixed, move on and leave it on your shoulders to make sure that people are on board and slow down, which kind of stood out to me now. Talk to me a little bit about this because the pandemic hit us fast. We go out for it and, and I don't know about Australia, but in, in the States, I still, you know, I still remember the date. It's kind of like a remember when game. March 13th, we go out early and you know what? We're going to go out for the rest of the week. And then before the end of the week, we're going to go out for two, we're going to stay out for two weeks. And then before the end of the two weeks, we're done for the year. When we're talking about slowing down and taking those things step by step, like you mentioned, but we're in a whirlwind and we're trying to get to students. Is there any, is that the, is that the key to actually stop and slow down and make more progress that way? Or is it to throw it out there kind of like a smorgasbord and help pick up the pieces, which is way more difficult for someone like yourself, but is it more effective? Good question. I think it's a little bit of both, to be perfectly honest. It all depends on coming back to what we mentioned earlier about growth mindset. Those I've got staff who are all guns blazing, saying, yep, just give us anything you've got and we're going to jump with it. We're going to try it out and see how it works in the classroom. And I've also got complete opposite end of the spectrum staff who are just old school, not pen and paper, it's got to be the way to go. And they've had to really adapt quickly. So it's kind of being out, coming back to what I mentioned earlier about relationships, being able to know your staff and being able to say, right, what is it that they're going to want to achieve and how are they going to achieve what they want? Now, obviously, in a virtual world, we, we've encouraged our staff to adapt and being able to adapt has brought its own challenges. A lot of staff normally don't even use their computers in their classroom. It's very much old school, get get their whiteboard marker writing up on the board and just saying, all right, kids, do the work. Obviously, in a virtual world, that really hasn't been able to do that. So I've gone, okay, well, how can I reenact that classroom so I give them whiteboard tools they can use on their on their computer? That's excellent. Do you... You talk about building relationships, and, and obviously that's always key, right? People say relationships, relationships, relationships. And everybody has different things they do to try and build those relationships so they know those teachers that that'll work for. Do you have any go-to strategies for building relationships and finding out how a teacher might react to tech? I, I ask because I think it might be, and I, I could be totally off base, but I think it might be different than maybe say a principal that is building relationships and so they know 
what that teacher will be comfortable with instructional wise or for feedback or for evaluation where you have to know where that teacher is or that instructor is with acceptance of new technology, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it, it is a different way of looking at a relationship. But for me, what I like to do first is have a whole group session with, with the group that I'm working with at, at that individual time. And then I guess looking around the room, I'm, and I kind of look at it as a classroom. So when I'm teaching myself, you gauge the room saying, you look around going, are there people on their phones? Are there people kind of looking off and going, oh, my goodness, this is just way too much? And then after the, the whole group session, then I start working in small groups. So if those staff that have completely understood the, the tool that I've sent out, awesome. I'll, I'll give them something else to, I guess, add on to that, that tool. And then you've got others who are just, no, nah, I just have no idea. And a lot of... A lot of stuff that I've um, had over the last two years, they've just put the the, the white flag and said, no, nah, I give up, it's too hard. And that's where you, you go in, you have that one-on-one conversation, say, what can I do to help you without forcing it down their throat? How can I help you just, I guess, open their mind to see how that might work in the classroom? So as a follow-up to that, I think that's I think that's great advice for anybody listening. You You basically, what you're saying is, Harken back for leaders that may have been out of the classroom for a while, harken back to the days you were in the classroom, whole group, right? And then you break it up as needed and maybe put some extenders or let people go with different things they need in the the case of teachers because they can move forward. Um, There's no reason to continually hold them up if they can be working on lessons or creating or preparing when they have the digital tool they need to do that. But how do we just kind of thinking forward, knowing that you have that as we move out of COVID? There are a lot of changes that happen to education, some really good or some really good things to think about as we move forward. Um, I hate saying into the 21st century because I, I would hope so. We're 22 years into the 21st century now. But there's also a hearkening back to, man, it was comfortable the way we used to do things. How has that reshaped your job, you think, or your vision for how you move forward empowering teachers with these new technologies that we have? For me... You spoke there about empowering, and I think that's the biggest change for me. I think the pandemic has opened people's eyes to say, oh, hang on, that's what Cam does every day. And being able to empower these staff to go, right, yes, the pandemic has been challenging and and everything that's gone with that. Whilst we don't want to go backwards, going too far forward could be as damaging. For me, it's, it's a continual process to say, right, We've got this real big opportunity to embrace change and being able to change how education moves into the future and encouraging that through the use of digital tech, I think is key. Now, as I mentioned earlier, to me, we don't use Digitech just to say, look, here's a brand new, I don't know, bit of remote or something like that, VR, AR, whatever, and just throw it in and say, this is going to work for geography. Well, it may do, but it's not going to work for every every single person or every single student or every single class. Being able to adapt the tool to the curriculum is key and that's where I can see the future of tech going. Now, not, I'm not saying that we're going to be virtual for the rest of our educational career. I Look, personally, I hope not because for me, having that face-to-face connection, both with my staff, other leaders, but most importantly, my students is, is key. And I get a lot of that, lot out of that because for me, in a face-to-face, I can see their 
pretty much I can see their faces. I can I can see their body language. I can see how they're adapting to the the, the setting. Obviously, in a Zoom world or a virtual world, look, I don't know about you, but a lot I, I see a lot of blank black screens when I'm running my sessions. So both yeah. both from a staff point of view, but also student point of view. So I guess it is change and. Look, you mentioned in my bio, I'm a lifelong learner and I see myself as someone who likes to adapt to change and, and, and like embrace it, but I don't also don't forget the past because that to me that's the foundation of what we're sitting on at the moment and it's our role as educators now to take that lead forward. That's such a powerful statement that you just said. Don't forget the past. We have to embrace it and use it as a foundation for how we step forward to the next to the next phase of what we're doing and 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 how we go forward. You know, I what you're talking about, the idea of body language, being able to see body language, and yeah, this isn't this isn't going to be this way forever, and this is going to be moved forward. The idea of embracing technology, you can look at all your charts and everything that people put up, and you have your early adopters, and you have your you know all the different areas. But it's a mindset. It comes down to it's a mindset. So how do you help your leaders or you personally, but then the second part I'm going to follow up with is how you help your leaders do this. How do you help foster that mindset among the teachers that aren't the early adopters? We all have, we all have faculty in our buildings that are like, yeah, man, sign me up for that thing, that thing. Oh, here's a shiny new thing. Sign me up. And they play with it and they do good with it. It's tough to keep up with all that because there's so much coming out, but the general population, the largest group of teachers in the building, how do you work to adjust that mindset to get them on board? Look, for me, I'm one of those early adopters, so I'm like, yeah, just sign <laughs> yeah. me up. I'll, I'm, I'll just do everything. And I guess in a way that, that could be to my detriment sometimes. But I think I, I mentioned it earlier and I'll mention it again. For me, it, it's like the classroom. You chunk it down. So you give them the overall idea or the overall tool, but break it down and say, right, today we're going to look at this certain context of it and how that can relate to the classroom and then give those staff members un- or, and, and the leaders as well because I've, I've got a range of different um, curriculum leaders at my school um, and we my school's two campus. So being able to reach out to each of those leaders and say, right, here is this part of the, of the tool. Let's go off, try it within your, within your team, try it within your classrooms give me feedback. Did that work for you? Didn't it work for you? And then from there, I adapt and then say, right, here's the next part of the tool and the next part. And then at the end, you bring it all back together and say, right, this is the tool. How can you go off and do implement that within your team and, and the classroom? Now for, for the leaders, right? that are the ones saying, hey, we need a tool to do this. And, and then you go off and do that. Do you ever have your leaders do you ever give it to your leaders and say, hey, we're all jumping on. You you, you should uh, maybe model this for your staff. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> In short, short words, I do. Does it always work? No, but that's life. You've got to, I guess, listen to what my leaders are telling me. They might say, look, this is just nowhere near where we where we want to go. I said, okay, what, where do you want to go? And then I'll go away. I'll have a think about it. I might reach out on, on Twitter and say, right, these are some of the challenges I'm facing. Can I get some? Can, can I get some help? And coming back to that point, for me as a, as a leader, as an educator, being up front and say, "Look, I don't know the answer, but you know what? I'm going to go out and find out. I'm going to say you might know something. 
share with me. And I'm more, and you've seen on my, on my um, online profile, Twitter profile, that I'm always willing to share stuff and being able oh, yeah. to pay, pay it forward. So that that's one area that I, I really encourage my leaders to do as well. And I, and as I said, I'm never, I never feared to say, look, yeah, I'm stuck. I need help. I love that. And just from you talking about that, boy, I can tell that no wonder you're having luck or it's not really luck, but you're having progress with teachers using digitools and with this virtual switch because of that trust. You build so much trust by saying, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answers, but I'm going to find them for you. And then, you know, nice plug for Twitter uh, that you that you reach out on Twitter and, and get some answers and, and you do. So uh, any of the listeners, make sure you and we'll say it again at the end of the um, at the end of the podcast, but make sure you reach out to Cameron um, and get his Twitter address because you do do a lot of sharing on Twitter of things that are that are coming up. So the idea of trust, the idea of, you know, possibly trying to get leaders to model things and getting teachers to, to switch over. And where we're looking at moving in the future is a whole nother piece of the conversation that I want to touch on. But I want to I want to hit the sponsors first, give them a real quick sponsor break, and we'll be back and we'll we'll talk a little bit about more about what we're looking at for schools moving forward. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the place out of the box leaders in education turn to to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your idea week, or building a world class culture. Learn more at betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Cameron. And, um, you know, we were talking before about mindset and, and how we get teachers to adopt new technologies. And you gave us some really good examples of it's almost like running a classroom lesson and, and how you break those things up. And then obviously the challenges of talking to your leaders and making sure you understand what your leaders are looking for as you take that information and, and, and move it down. But I have a question for you, Cameron. I, I, I'd really love to hear what you have to say about this because I, you're, you're saying a lot of really good things. In your opinion, as we move forward and everything, in, in your perfect world maybe, or however you want to phrase it, what should schools look like for students and staff members moving forward? Love the question. Um, for me, in the perfect world and where everything's normal, whatever normal is, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think a school environment should be inclusive to allow everyone to feel safe, to feel, and this is both staff, students, leaders, the lot, be able to feel safe where you can take risks and not fear the consequences, obviously within reason. Obviously, you can't go around doing certain things and go, yeah, that's fine. But um, for me, <laughs> having that ability to say, right, I want you to challenge yourself, put yourself out there, see what happens, and then go, look, it didn't work. Okay, 
what can we do next to make sure you can succeed next time? And so as my role as a leader, I try to encourage that within the staff. As a classroom teacher, and this is where I'm coming back to my passion I mentioned earlier, this is what I really embrace with my students. Now, I've got a lot of students from and many different learning abilities and being able to, I guess, tie into their passion and say, right, what, how can we get to where you want to be? And then being able to adapt. Now, obviously, using tech tools is my passion, but being able to listen to the student, listen to my staff, and then being able to adapt. I think coming back to your question about the perfect environment, that is it. Being at, feeling safe and being able to embrace anything that there is challenged uh, towards them. You know, the, the great thing about what you just said there, how you answered that question, is that you answered that question for both students and staff with the same answer, right? Being able to take risks, feel safe. So you're talking about intellectually safe mostly, but take risks, feel safe so that you continue to challenge yourself even through failure. And, and isn't that what leaders really want for their teachers? I mean, we talk about doing it with students all the time and growth mindset and lifelong learners, but then we have to make sure as leaders that we're trying to foster that in our teaching staff as well. So how often with teachers, and this is why I liked what you were saying about, you know, whole group instruction, chunk it up, then meet with each um, teacher individually that's really struggling to help them out. How often as leaders do we say that, but then something happens and the teachers, they get it, great, we move along with them and there's the lone teacher or teachers off to the side that are really feeling even worse about themselves because they don't get it and they're sitting there. So Yeah, no, um, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and for me, look, our lives are busy. And I think as, as human beings, as we move further and further into the future, we're getting more and more time poor. So being able to come back to that person and you can, we all know who those people are and there's nothing wrong with these people. It's just for whatever reason, just tech doesn't work for them or, or a new idea doesn't work. We need to ensure that we're, it's yeah, being able to pick them up and being able to support them because sometime in the future they might be the expert and they might support us. So you need to be able to come back to those our staff and say, right, what is your superpower? I know you're going to ask me a question about superpowers. For me, everyone has an individual superpower. Being able to, I guess, lean on them when we need to is is key. That's so true because I think about just using myself as an example. I hear about different things. I I just listened to a podcast this morning. Uh, It was on, I believe it was Justin Bader's podcast, but he had an individual on that was talking about digital organization, which especially is key now with all this movement to digital. And that's something I've always kind of struggled with. And and every once in a while, I I dip in and try and brush up the system that I have to keep track of all these things that are making us so busy that you mentioned. But I know there are tools out there that I've tried before that people said were phenomenal. They were the best thing that ever happened to them in their life. And I try them and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and I'm I'm lost with it. I I fall over myself and it, it adds more time to my day trying to figure it out than it was. But the idea of someone like yourself looking and realizing that and being a person that a teacher can go to and lean on, if I had a person to lean on where I could say, hey, you know, I'm really, I know I'm three clicks away, but I have no idea what the first click is to even start the three clicks. Uh, Less frustration, less anxiety, less anger, you know, 
and it would be it would be much more helpful. So I think that's really key what you said, having somebody, because everybody, like you said, has a different superpower, having somebody to lean on to just give you that one bump might take you out of that place of anger or frustration where you just finally throw your hands up. You say, you know what? I can't do this. And then it goes nowhere good from there. So that's a, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. The, so we're almost near the end, but I've got two questions I got to ask you. I ask every guest that comes on the podcast because I am, I never cease to be amazed by some of the answers I get. So if you were not an educator, because you do both teaching and leading, if you were not an educator, who, not what would you be? Mm, I love that question because to me, it, it makes me think, it makes me think outside the square about, because what is easy for me, I'm, I'm passionate about sports. So I'd be something like a sports administrator or a coach with, look, I'm a coach with, with my own kids sports, but, but who, who would I be? I don't think I'd be anyone different. I'd, I'd be passionate about whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, I'd, I'd show compassion. I'd, I'd show that lifelong learning. But in terms of who I'd be, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm stumped because for me, I am who I am and I'd, I'd show love, I'd, I'd show compassion. But, yeah, that, that's, that's my answer. That's a great answer because it shows just how much you're owning your passion and living in your passion. And you don't get much better than that in life. Nobody wants to be somebody they aren't. So that's that's probably why you come, you know, before you had mentioned the piece where I where you were quick to say, oh, I don't know, but I'll find out for you and you go and go look and so forth. And that builds trust. That just shows how much when you come across like that, you're you're an authentic person. And it's just so easy to see why people would trust you and and listen to you and follow you. So kudos to you. That's that's a perfect answer for that. Thank you very much. The last one is for for everybody listening to this what's the we've we've spoken for you know a little while now what's the most important thing that you want a leader to know that would help them better support engage and empower their teachers to me this is is a two-part question the first one is relationships 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 um for me being a leader is getting to know the staff underneath you. And I don't, I, I don't like the word underneath, but because for me, as a leader, we mentioned it earlier, to me, everyone's the same. Everyone, yes, there might be different roles um, given to staff, but everyone's the same. You've got to treat human beings as equals. And therefore, and the second part of my answer is, yes, you build relationships. You also got to listen. You've got to listen to, and, and I guess, see the room if you're in a face-to-face environment, but be able to pick up on those things that just aren't clicking. And then from there, be able to continue to come back to that relationship and say, right, let's work together. Let's help you to become better. And, and that's that's the, the most important piece of advice for me is build that relationship, listen, and then connect to uh, get, move forward. That's awesome because those two things are so connected. You can't build a relationship without listening and nobody's, you're not going to be able to continue a relationship without listening because things change. So that's great advice that I think any leader is going to benefit from. Look, Cameron, you said a lot today and I'm sure there's a lot to follow up on. If people want to reach out to you, I know we mentioned it at the top of the show, but what's your Twitter handle again? It's at Cameron Ross three. 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, more than happy to for any of your listeners to reach out to me. Um, I'm always sharing, always willing to um, connect and build our PLN. Um, for me, that's been the best professional learning I've ever had over my 11 years of teaching, and it's just been a godsend because it, it's just, I guess, opened my eyes to new ideas. And I guess in our teaching world, sometimes we kind of get our blinkers on and say, right, now this is this is all we see. And if we open ourselves up and go, oh, actually, I never thought of that. So please reach out. I'm always willing to connect and just just, just like you did. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity today. Now, you've been great. We're the lucky ones. The listeners are the lucky ones. Um, there you have it, folks, from Cameron Ross, the idea of trusting and helping people out as they move through a digital and hopefully not much longer virtual world to uh, help students out. So thanks. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and make sure everybody listening that you reach out to Cameron. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. Thank you.